With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. If Luke Perry said, I'm coming, I'm going to stay on for the season. Say say this, this we, we get a contract, right? 22 and, more episodes, 32 episodes for that I'm, season. I'm, I'm doing it. What happens with Dylan... Is it oh. still with Tony? Yes. But then she dies at the 32nd episode. <laughs> There's no version of this story where they live happily ever after. No, there are no married couples on the show in a show like this, at least in my world. Well, I think- I'm glad I died. <laughs> hey there, Beverly Hills 90210 fans. It's now time to dive deep into an episode-by-episode, character-by-character, song-by-song account of the making of your favorite zip code. With your host, Charles Rosen. Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> I this heinous thing about the, the, the real person. And we're going, what? We're getting rid of this guy. Pete Ferrero. Now crush to Susan Keats, so that, that fits the bill. What? <laughs> and representing the fans, Lily Amaran. Ryan, I love you. I have dreamt about you. What? I'm... Along with many special guests. And your questions. So sit back and relax because it's like totally time for the Beverly Hills 90210 show. Here we are again, joined by a very fun panel this week. Larry, that was a lot of fun with uh, Rebecca Gayhart last Friday, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, she was really lovely. I mean, you know, we just don't see enough of her really. Uh, so it was so wonderful to uh, kind of go over that stuff and hear her take on the stuff. And, uh, you know, I never really realized uh, Chuck, her and Luke had the same manager. That's why she got the call first. I mean, we just kind of came, you know, we got presented with her. Um, and, and of course, we were thrilled, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's a fun one to watch. And we are joined by Glamour's Perry Samatin. Hi. I did that right. And she also has a podcast what I wore when, and you guys have to go out and check it out because she has a really awesome episode with Tiffany Thiessen, um, where they talked about, what was it? Like, it was like a, a red carpet event. And I, I'm not even making that up, right? Yeah. So the podcast is various celebrities talk about what they wore during a pivotal moment in their lives and how clothes can sort of shape you. And it's, um, and Tiffany talked about what she wore on a very pivotal red carpet, but we also talked a lot about obviously 90210 in the episode. Very cool. I mean, I'm curious, Perry, though, you, you've been listening to our podcast, but you were a fan of Beverly Hills 90210 all those years ago. Uh, the fan all those years ago and now. Oh, nice. Thank you. So yeah, tell yeah. me about pivotal moments for you. Is, are any of these episodes uh, important moments for you? I mean, I, I really do count myself as one of the show's biggest fans on this planet like it's I talk about it I'm obsessed with it I watch it every night when I fall asleep like I really I really feel a strong connection I watched the first episode sitting on the floor of my bedroom my little tv I just I remember watching the pilot I was kind of young and I remember my parents didn't care and I was like okay and ever since it's just been a huge part of my life um and I go back and forth I mean the episodes we're talking about today were pivotal because I love Brenda but I also I also have very strong feelings for a lot of the seasons when Brenda leaves, which yeah. is controversial because I think that real fans have to love the show in its entirety. I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, I don't like the show after Shannon left. I do not agree with that. I think there's no. pluses and minuses for both love Shannon, but loved Tiffany as well. Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on that. We're on the same page here. Okay, I want to I want to say hello to our other Melanie Rose, who is in complete darkness in her room. Darkness. <laughs> darkness. We've had one of those days over here today. I tell you. Well, anyway, um, Melanie Rose has got a really awesome uh, event that you can't see in her room right now. But, uh, she's doing vir- a virtual hunt. And she's a sponsor of our big show. So we're big here show. to help, uh, plug this event that she's got going out. It's bh90210tours.com slash 90210hunts. Melanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? And then I'm going to show a clip from what we got to do, some of what we got to do yesterday. 
Perfect. Yes. Um, it's a virtual scavenger hunt, which means you can participate from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. You don't have to visit locations to complete the tasks. Uh, there are 30 fun tasks related to 90210, and there's lots of prizes at stake. Uh, there's only 100 spots, and if we fill all of the spots, our grand prize is going up to a $500 uh, Visa gift card. So, we are filling up fast and getting excited and uh, can't wait to celebrate the 30th anniversary with all the fans. Very cool. And so Melanie took us on a tour yesterday of a bunch of 90210 locations. It was so much fun. And uh, here's us at the Beach House. Hi, I'm Melanie Rose, and I am here with... Larry and Yoshi. And... Pete. And Chuck, but you probably know me as Charles. And we're here at none other than the famous Beach House from Beverly Hills 90210. When we finally convinced uh, Mr. Spelling that we should uh, do a college show, gave us the opportunity for girls to move out of their Beverly Hills house and have a cool apartment at the beach. And the location manager says, here's our cool apartment. And we go, okay, that's cool. A little far from our base in, in the valley in Van Nuys, but Hermosa Beach is fine. And we started to build the set inside to match this this apartment. When Melanie said we filmed here, yeah, twice. Yes, so you will be able to see all of the places that we went. That was just a little teaser of what's to come on October the 4th. We have a really awesome uh, show planned, lots of uh, special guests and surprises. Uh, Melanie, thank you so much for joining us. I see you got your light fixed. That's nice. Yes, yeah, we had some technical difficulties, but um, yeah. But anyway, it was <laughs> nice seeing you now uh, lit thank and you. also before in darkness because we learned a lot of great things about what you have coming up. So, yes. um, all right. Thank you right. for joining us. Okay, so that's going to be fun, right? Absolutely. Now, <laughs> so the tour, the virtual the tour, hunt. or the, the special scavenger hunt? Both. Scavenger hunt. Well, the yeah. scavenger It's all going to be fun. Yes, I agree. Hey, speaking about the event, wow, we haven't even started to talk about this yet. But speaking about the event, we have some more people uh, joining us. This person <laughs> is going to be doing something with us for the show. So uh, that should be cool. Jason Priestley will be joining us in one way or the other. And Douglas Emerson will be popping in. So those are two very fun people. Of course, we've announced Christina Lease coming by, Mark Damon Espinoza, uh, James Heckhouse and Carol Potter. And there's, we've been, Chuck, we've been working nonstop on this, haven't we? I, I, I'm actually, yes, it's what keeps me up. It wakes me up at four in the morning. Think, yes. shit, I didn't send that email yet. Okay. Yeah. And who do I want to call? But I really don't, you know, but it's going to be a fun, fun thing. You know, it, it, it will be. And we've got some, and I want to, and the one thing is, is that what sure the fans said, it's a going to be very fan centric and B um, we're going to have a lot of surprises. Yeah, and Chuck, we had Munz uh, showed up. Munz is okay. He's I heard, there. I heard. We, yeah, yeah. He's good so, there. We've located him. We can announce Munz as well will be with us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm just, you know, I, we, we're going to also hear from some people that we haven't heard from in a long time. You know, there's going to be oh, some yeah. people that just really we're pulling, we're pulling, we're going into the Wayback Machine. I keep saying that. Oh, yeah. And then also joining us here is Bradley Gross, who directed Meeting Mr. Pony. So I think we're ready to kind of jump into some of that. Um, Hi, Brad. It's good to have Hello, you. How, how has everything been with you, man? Uh, this is a weird time period, right? Quarantine and all that. For me? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, in a way, you know, I got out of the business about 10 or 15 years ago, so I've been working at home. So uh, I'm kind of on the cutting edge of that, uh, that notion. He got out of the business and started making money. He's a very smart man. <laughs> Here you go. All right, let's talk about me, Mr. Meeting Pony, Mr. Meeting Mr. Pony. Larry, you were not a part of this, but you got to no, see this, right? I did first time. Yeah, I mean, I had read a recap of it early on, but I, yeah, I got to see it the first time. It was very gripping. You know, it was, it was cool. Surprise, shockingly gripping. I'm, I was taken back by how gripping it was all these years later. I can't believe that this was, you know, on television in that time period. Chuck, it it started in an interesting place. Bradley was not the original director, I don't think, right? No, Brad. Well, first, Bradley was. You know, when I 
And I would always say uh, at every milestone that 90210 hit, and this is for the people who can remember the first 12, Bradley was the first 12. Bradley was there right from the start of 90210. We go back to college and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, friends. With, and um, so he was, he had, he had, this was not your first episode. This was no. not your first episode. Chucky's back was the one where you, um, where where um, Steve goes looking to New Mexico with the great pretender song as the bus is pulling away. Love that, you know. Yes, yeah, and that's so that and and then we had one more Mexican standoff was on the line. So we, you know, and, you know, which is also holds up really nice, Bradley. We will send it to you. We we actually talked about it. That's the one where they get stuck at the border and you know and all of that. That but, little that location in Malibu was. Yeah, that's right. It was a location in Malibu, Larry, not Cabo itself. In <laughs> but, um, but so, and, and, you know, and Brad, I, I don't know if you were scheduled to be the assistant director on this or, or, you know, was it just you were there? That, that I don't remember. What I do remember is, is that it was, it was one of those situations where we hired somebody that um, a packaging agent and the management of spelling entertainment at the time wanted us to hire. And he was not necessarily a TV guy. If you worked with Paul Wagner in prep, there were certain expectations that would need to be had. And, and this guy really wasn't delivering on that or the script itself. He was kept procrastinating on it. And um, and so I made a uh, it was it was kind of bold because we had not done anything like this because when you pay somebody off, you have just put a given episode into the hole if there's a cap on how much you're allowed to spend. And I had never done that because what it meant was when we started the deal, they did give me I think I remember three episodes to make a mistake on, but I had never pulled one before. I never put that trigger in yet. I put it in here turn to Brad and say, I promise we'll have a script for you in like three days. And, uh, and, there's a, and, and the credit thing is all foul. I mean, this is really a, uh, I mean, because Darren was on it and then he, and then he got, uh, he started Melrose. So it was really kind of when we made the deal versus when we really had to do the work. So it's one I feel very proud of, quite frankly, because uh, we put it together for Brad and then he just, you know, it, it, it's one that I hadn't seen either in a long, long time and was really, loved how it uh, held up and, um, you know, and in fact, I had to go into the garage and find my Mr. Pony, actually, uh, right after I watched it. <laughs> there you go. Bradley, do you remember what it was like to come into this episode? Well, in terms of uh, the challenge that it presented, um, yeah, surprisingly enough, it was, it all seemed to work just to go right. I, I mean, there was short prep and everything, but um, it was enough to to figure out how what I wanted to do, and uh, and obviously the thing really depended on Shannon, you know, who uh, as long as she performed, then it would be great, and and she did, you know, she was very well behaved and and really put her heart and soul into it. Yeah, yeah this was a this was a renaissance time for for uh, Shannon at this point. She was really plugged into it, the character, she was, uh, and she loved when the episode, this was like a, you know, this was before it became serialized, the show yeah. came so overtly serialized, so it really was a, you know, a Brenda show, Brenda-centric, and she could, she could, uh, you know, get her wings out there and go, and, and she, and definitely did. Also, you get, you got to give props to the man with the gun. Yeah, oh my uh, God. That was a scary... That was a scary individual. And David, at that moment, Kriegel. It, David Kriegel. Yeah. Yeah. I looked him up and, and stopped doing it, did some stuff, but he really seemed like that guy. You know, it's an interesting thing. I want to get your, your feeling on this, Larry and Brad. Um, you know, when we would have guys who were going to play heavies, and we hadn't had that many, you know, we didn't do the Luke with the gun stuff yet. We didn't, we didn't do a lot of that, that stuff yet. This was, I think, one of the first really crimes we did date rape yes we've done that on halloween but uh or you know or that but this this was really a crime that was happening all over la and um but there's a thing that when you're doing television you're not casting the same way that you would if it was an indie feature you wouldn't make it so at least in those days of network television 
you wouldn't make it such a foreboding visage because you're also selling soap at the same time. And you so so you know David was in that realm, and but for that, it was just very frightening. The eyes and and the sweat, and he he really looked like to me, you know, the junkie. He just looked like a junkie. You know, that's that's what it was. I, I thought and the sweat, true. like listen there, Chuck. That's really what sold it, and, and Brad. That's really that makeup when he comes in there. It's just you really feel that character. He didn't look foreboding, but you realize he was desperate, and it was a mm-hmm. makeup job. Really, I thought that was wonderful. Chuck, do you remember how the origins of the story came up to do such a, such an episode? Well, the interest, it, it, you go backward. I was getting interested in, in post-traumatic stress syndrome. So, how well, one of our characters could have that. Okay, if they have it, what would be the incident that would cause it? And the peach pit, um, one of the things that was so great is the different ways I think that Brad shot or, or, and maybe it was all written, but the way that the, the interactions were between him and the different parts of, of the episode. And um, and that, and that uh, you know, and, and I think that really carries, you know, a lot of the, um, the moment. But in terms of the, the having it be at the Peach Pit and that, we also, you know, didn't have much location on this. I think the only really location had when we went out to the, the Flash, we did the... Um, you found uh, Taylor Friedman on the horse, right? And right. Uh, and shot out at the stables. Brad, you want to tell that story? <laughs> well, what was it? Uh, I mean, I have a son named Taylor, and uh, and uh, <laughs> me and said, uh, you, you know, your Taylor isn't the only Taylor at uh, at the center where our kids were at school, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's, a, if there's another part to this story. Oh, just that she would. They went out there to see. Like let's we, we need to find a kid who can ride a horse and be young. And they come back from the scout going, Oh yeah, we found it, we found it. And it's a classmate. The, the daughter was a classmate of my daughter, Lindsay, and his tailor. So it was the, the small world. That's who was the little well, girl pretty, riding the horse. And she was pretty good, right, Larry? I mean, that yeah, was a she, that sold you know, that moment, really. I yeah. I liked and it. So she night right night. I think she became a film executive like her daddy. <laughs> very powerful film executive. <laughs> You know, talk about casting. You had that Richard e. Grant, who was usually a comedy actor, and he played oh, the, he played cop. the uh, the inspector, the cop, the detective, called different yes. things. Yes, yeah, I was waiting to laugh. Yeah, no, exactly. He's he's in Revenge of the Nerds. I I did a pilot with him. Actually, he was he was a comedy guy. And does he continue to do comedy? Is that I don't know where his career went. He was you know a great presence. I mean, he just looked great. I mean, he was good for this. It gave some veracity to everything. I thought you know the, you know that that stuff looked good. I mean. I mean, one thing I have to say, though, Brad, in the lineup, the coordinated, do they do that? Every suspect wears the same outfit? I go, oh, my God, they all, they had, yeah, where they, had they dressed them? Like that? <laughs> we did, the wardrobe kind of got in, involved there too much, man. <laughs> Well, what's wardrobe? Wardrobe. wardrobe. What do you think of those wardrobe that we use for the bad guys? <laughs> they all wore the same. One, I think. We just have to have them on, on. Maybe that's what they do. I don't know. I thought uh, it was cool though. Because the moment works. I mean, she identifies the guy. I mean, yeah, sure, great. It pays off. Jessica wants a birthday shout out. Happy birthday, Jessica. There you go. Happy birthday. Yes. Um, hey, uh, Perry, speaking of the wardrobe in this, there's a lot of interesting 90s things happening here. Um, you know, I'll show you some of these things. I'm curious to get your take on 90s uh, wardrobe, 90s Brenda, 90s Kelly. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I always say that I think Brenda, pretty much every outfit that she wears holds up. In my opinion, she looks like she just walked out of Reformation, which is, you know, the store that all the cool girls are shopping in right now. Um, <laughs> Kelly is a little bit of a different story. I think her styling, her styling has always felt a little too mature. Like, especially looking back, she's supposed to be 17. She's still in like businessy. But Brenda always looks so modern. Like she looks like some like what she wears in this episode, I would wear now. I would wear that plaid jacket. I would wear that particular outfit that you just showed. Um, She was wearing baggy pants with it tucked in. I would wear that. I would wear that little French striped t-shirt. I just find that everything that she wears feels extremely, extremely modern now. Um, 
I felt the same about Tony Marchette. I felt that I somewhat feel the same about Tori's character. Jenny's character, I do not feel that way about. Um, I love her character. I don't feel like her style holds up, but in yeah. this episode, to me, everything that Brenda wore, I'm like, want it, want it, want it. <laughs> well, Molly Campbell might be able to help. Well, you. this was before Molly, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, this, this was, was Diane, Diane Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. Diane Kennedy. The, the um, what I can say again, I wasn't in the uh, valley. I was really the city guy, but I can say that um, that that. Shannon and Tori had more, most fun with wardrobe. Mm -hmm. they, they, their bodies fit really well with the clothes and, and they, they had a ball with it. Jenny, I think clothes was a, she had a different relationship with clothes than both of them. Yeah. Okay. You know, the one thing we did do in that episode was to dress uh, Brenda uh, in, in dresses and skirts early on when she was most vulnerable. And then you'll see at the end when she's wearing blue jeans and stuff, yeah. Jack was all to kind of get the feeling of, of her, you know, getting her confidence back and, and, and being just sort of more assertive and, and together. I yeah. noticed that, yeah. yeah. That, was yeah that scene where she acts out, also in the bedroom with the, all the clothes out. And yes. I, I that was a Karen scene, but you know, just that, just that, that, crazed thing there and that you, you're just feeling for it because you know you're just you're out there on a, on a limb clearly yeah. and chuck this is like what i think this is the second episode where there's a uh, gunplay right i think this is following uh the doug emerson episode right somewhere along the lines so um is gunplay or gun violence is an important topic to you personally and um I don't want to go on a rant here because I know that uh -huh, we, okay. you drive down that road very quickly, but uh, it, it was important then then as well, as it is now, the, the issue, yes? When I, those were the years when you run a TV show, people ask you to um, sometimes um, speak to their organizations and they offer you an honorarium, and if you're not a real schnorr, you will give that honorarium to the group of your choice, and uh, mine was always... Um, the, uh, the the Brady um, handgun bill, um, which uh, uh, so I it, yes it uh, it's been an issue to me since I saw John Kennedy get killed. Mm. Hey, you know that gun they used was fabulous, Brad. Whatever that weapon yeah, was, beautiful. that was really really. We should talk. What was that? A sawed-off shotgun. It looked great. Scary. It was so scary. It was so yeah, much better than any pistol would have been. Right. <laughs> What it is, you, you cut off the back of the stock, so it's kind of like just a pistol. And you, and in reality, you cut off part. You cut off part of the uh, of the muzzle too to make it, it shorter and, and easier. But uh, it does look very threatening. It's got a big, you know, a big chamber there coming down. On yeah, it. especially that moment when you make her uh, you, when when the character when the the, the um, burglar. Uh, makes her uh, get down on her knees, and he's got that gun, yeah. and that's how people get, you know, uh, assassinated. That's how they meet their maker right there. And and she played that terror. Are you going to kill me now? Yeah, uh, that was that was. Uh, and so we were talking just briefly, Brad and I, uh, uh, or you know, by the challenges or, or emailing back and forth about it. But the, the you know the notion being that here you had this. Um, you know, this incident up front and to keep tension going all the acts after it, because, you know, you're just playing out reaction to what's already been there. Um, and I guess we did the same thing in the gun episode, quite frankly. We, we had that happen. And then how is the reaction? Um, so, you know, you, you're successful once. Go back to the well and do it again. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Dylan gets carjacked. And, you know, we did it again. The victimization. Yeah, with, you, you know, There were seven plots, Larry. And, I know. 32 episodes a year. Please forgive us. Yeah. Uh, Beverly Love says it was really impactful watching Brenda go through this, the therapy, the PTSD, the, the it, it was educational to see how a character deals with something traumatic like this. Uh, good comment. Hey, Bradley, do you re, uh, do you remember directing the scene in which uh, Brenda is in class taking the test and then has the, the meltdown or the, the PTSD comes to full light? Do you remember any of that and what that was like to direct that? can't say I, I don't specifically remember it I mean the scene comes back to me and, and so on um, you know once again it was uh, you could kind of rely on her to carry the scene and uh, and 
you know, go with her instincts, which were pretty good. I mean, she would take an adjustment here and there and that sort of thing. But for the most part, uh, she did it. And so the rest of it is, is simply, you know, making it realistic and making it happen. And uh, well, she was supportive of you as a director, too. I mean, you were an assistant. And here you're you're doing this only your second one. So I think the, was the cast, I think, in the first one in this. Did you feel their support yeah. as a, someone making that? that yeah, well, they, they, they were fine. They were yeah. fine together. You know, I think they liked it. Totally. <laughs> I know they did. I found it interesting, too, that in both the episodes that we're going to talk about, Brenda and Andrea are combative with each other, or Brenda is combative with Andrea. You know, in Meeting Mr. Pony, Andrea makes the mistake of calling the robber her guy, and uh, Brenda snaps out there. And then, obviously, the one we're going to talk about later, Andrea is working in the lab. We'll get to that. But uh, the Andrea, the, the Gabrielle and Brenda chemistry is off the hook in this. Don't you think so, Bradley? What, what do you think about Gabrielle? Well, I, Gabrielle's playing a part that, um, you know, there's a almost an innocence. You know, I mean, she tends to be the more sophisticated, the smarter one, and I think she looks at things a little more analytically than than emotionally, and uh, that could lead her easily into, you know, saying something like "you're a guy" and not realizing that it was. Uh, uh, it would have an effect on Brenda. Yeah. Chuck, what did you think of Gabrielle's performance in this? Just, I think it was like, the word that would come to mind would be solid. I mean, yes, I think it was more, the, the, the it was the reaction of Brenda that was the, um, that was the driver. And that was one of the steps setting up, oh, like something's wrong here. Something's not quite right. And one of them is overreacting. Remember, we, we were blessed in that our, we had the relationship at this point with the, um, uh, and it actually started in this summer uh, with the Harvard School of Public Health. So we would get a paper document about well, what are the signs of PTSD and uh, scenes and moments, I think, were put together that way as well, or at least it was factored into the mix. Uh, Perry, for you, what do you think about Gabrielle's uh uh, Andrea Zuckerman's uh, fashion from back in the day. So I always thought, you know, like sort of growing up watching the show, it was subtly communicated that she's supposed to be like a little bit of the dork and the nerd. But now that I watch it as an adult, I kind of love everything that she wears. She's very like, in this episode particularly, but otherwise she always wears like a little puff sleeve, like her prom dress. She just also feels very right now. And I think at the time it was telegraphed that it was like a little nerdier and, you know, she makes reference here and there of stealing her mom's clothes. But now that I watch her, I'm like, I kind of love Andrea as, her, as a fashion, as a fashion character. Gabrielle, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> as a character too. Like just like the, as a character in general too. Like she, well, is, she is the voice of this generation then. It's 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 fascinating, you know. A lot of the things that she was sticking up for wasn't really being talked about back then. So she kind of reminds me of like how everybody right now is sort of. We should all be uh, Miranda's with Sex in the City. I feel like we should all be Andrea's. Like <laughs> watching her, I'm like, we should all be Andrea. She stands up for what she believes in. She's intelligent. She just, I just remember being a kid watching her, being like, haha, what a nerd. I wish I was Kelly. And now I watch her as an adult, and I'm like, hell no, I want to be Andrea. <laughs> what a nerd Kelly is. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lily, I'm curious if you have any fan questions about meeting Mr. Pony for anybody that's here. We do. Um, we've actually received a few. I'll start with um, one from Lori. She wants to know if any of the writers have had their own experience similar to the robbery at the Peach Pit. Well, I, I was robbed at knife point, but it wasn't his intent. And it came right off Harvard Square. Larry? Only in my nightmares. You know, I was once, you know, I was, I remember in that dream I had, I was delivering pizza to Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, and I got jacked. And I was trying to say, you don't understand, I'm bringing pizza to Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. This was many years ago, of course. Anyway, that's the closest I came to it. It was terrifying. Terrifying. You said you were jumped recently. Am I allowed to share that story? Who, me? Yeah. What did I say? Jumped? R running in the park. No, you're okay. just shaking me. I don't think okay. so. Okay. 
All right. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Troy. Tangent here. Your your dream is about Richard, uh, Richard Burton, Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. My nightmare is Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor <laughs> doing a favor for a friend of mine delivering flowers. And there were flowers that had to be delivered to the Beverly Hills Hotel. And I could barely drive a shift. And I backed down and I lost control and I hit a, 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 a limo. And limos were not a big thing. This, this was not a limo town. You didn't see limos that often. I know that's hard to believe, but in 68, not that many limos. And, and the way that the Beverly Hills Hotel would be like a decade later. But, you know, right then, and I am freaked out, and the, and the uh, chauffeur comes up to me and starts to talk, the driver, and the, it rolls, the window rolls down, and Richard Burton leads over and says, it's okay, we'll, we'll take care of it, don't worry, young man. It was like he let me off the hook. I reached in to say thank you. He's a British guy. I don't know who he is. Like, oh, thank you. And there's Elizabeth Taylor. Wow. I in 68 I had my dream checked. It's listen. <laughs> then it was the same day. The I same day, the same yeah. delivery. Oh, Pete, I, I, I did get checked. I, I uh, forgot. I was only yeah. driving for a month. I, yeah. yeah, I didn't mean to put you Pete on the spot. remind me of the jump thing. Yes, when we were in the jogging thing yesterday. Yeah, that was a long that was in 78. Yeah. But I mean, I was yeah, I I I was swung at, but it was, you know, not with a <laughs> not with a not with a weapon, but it was a kind of a karate guy. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's something it's yeah, scary in general. The right? Richard Burton thing, and, and and was much more scary. It's Chuck, was <laughs> terrifying. Uh, I was supposed to have. I was going to be in a threesome. I was going to be in a threesome. Driving, and you know, and find someone else's car. I thought my dad was going to kill me. And Lily, what else got on uh, meeting Mr. Pony? So Zara asks. Uh, she says you've mentioned previously in episodes of the podcast that Shannon was given emotional storylines because of her delivery. How did Shannon react when she got this storyline, and did she have any input? Well, if that's directed to me, Shannon, um, you know, one thing that's great, and you've heard this uh, about how she interpreted Brenda, and and it really was one of the real pleasures of working with her is that she just made the scripts work. Yeah. This is what you've given me. This is what I'm doing. Okay, let's go. Um, sometimes that was, you know, she maybe wasn't as familiar with the script, but when it was about her, when it was going to be a Brenda episode, but I just, as Brad's saying, I mean, she, you, you set blocking, you did put things together. Would she ask you about to, like, how about if I did it this way? Was she that kind of actress or not, or not really? No, not really. You know, I mean, she, she had a pretty good take on, on how she was going to do it and what she was going to do. And, um, you know, to the best of my memory, I could go in and, and su suggest adjustments or changes or a different way of looking at something. But uh, for the most part, it was it was her, you know. Yeah. There you go. Another nice thing. Well, wonderful thing said about Shannon Doherty as Brenda. She's an incredible actor and we all love her here very much. Lily, what else you got? Two more quick ones for Mr. Pony, meeting Mr. Pony. Okay. Um, so Val, where am I? Oh, okay. Alicia wants to know, uh, Brandon and Dylan were taking out the recycling at this point. They think they hear something, but continue doing what they're doing and they don't go to check. Also, Andrea came back in to get Steve's book and then Brenda thought it was Andrea and it wasn't. At this point, you can feel something is going to happen. Was this the effect you were going for when writing this episode? Yes, it's called suspense. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was a yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Last but not least, um, it was really creepy when the robber told Brenda that she was pretty and made her say thank you. How important was that for you to put in this episode? And what was the reason of the robber being only 17 years old? Good questions. Yeah. First question. Um, well the, well, the reason to be 17, let me go there first. The reason to go 17 is just the shock of it. Because that yeah, he didn't come off like a 17-year-old. No. Like a kid, and he's this, and, you know, it's it, it just was just someone who was really, really, really messed up in that regard. Um, will you repeat the first part of the question again, Lily, just real quick? So it was really creepy when the robber told Brenda that she was, oh, was pretty. pretty. Yeah, and made her it, it's, it's so creepy. It's because it's so creepy. You know, it's like the... Um, it, you know, it's the kind of thing that uh, would it be out of an Eastwood movie, you know, kind of like Dirty Harry kind of thing, you know, just that now tell me that you love me, you know, it's just, 
it's just it, it, it it's 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 nauseating and and uh, and in the terror of the moment it, it, it's it's horrifying yeah all right uh, I wanted to ask before we're gonna let Bradley step away here and we're gonna jump into the other episode but before you leave uh, Bradley I'm curious uh, you watched this episode very many years later probably 30 years later um, what do you think does it still hand, still hold up today surprisingly so yeah I, I was uh, I said oh <laughs> this did work after all, you know. Um, you know, I mean, you always see things you wish you'd done differently or, or set up, but for the most part, um, you know, I kind of found it an easy script to direct, even though it was late coming and all this sort of thing. It just it sort of fell into place, and um, it was a story I I, I love doing the uh, the holdup, you know, that scene in the. Uh, I mean, that was just uh, a lot of fun to do. And it was, uh, you know, in creating the suspense and, and you know, and also you, you never quite know where it's going to go, you know, what the, mm-hmm. what the guy's going to do and so on. And it was the kind of movie, it was the kind of movies you used to like, you know, the most movies, the, the Charlie Vera or right. taking a one film too. This is what Brad, you know, when you dream of I'm going to be a director, the kind of stuff you're going to want to do. So I knew giving to Brad that also we were in good hands because this is, Aesthetically, in the, at least the crime part is that, that what he he uh, was absorbed by. Hey, uh, question. One more question for you, Bradley. What was it like directing Luke Perry? Luke was fine. He was, um, you know, he, he wasn't difficult at all, and, and he was there. You know, uh, he, he took direction, and um, you know, I didn't have any problems with him at all. I enjoyed it. Cool. Well, thank you for uh, stopping by here. I mean, I loved this episode. I thought it held up really great. I mean, it kind of reminded me of the Sopranos episode, you know, with the bell ringing and all this stuff, the lighting and all that. Uh, really, really nice work all these years later. I think. Well, we you all- know what? I, one thing I noticed yeah. I wanted to mention, and Chuck, which is, you know, you, you, you probably didn't know this, but you, you hit it, of course. I remember working with the great programmer, Brandon Tartikoff, and all those scenes with Brandon and and Brenda in the bedroom, he used to call bunkhouse scenes, and they were the heart and soul of the show. And in this one also, you really feel it. Like you you hit those scenes with the two of them together. That was really the, the core of these shows in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I, uh, and okay, uh, we're going to say bye to Bradley, but on the, I have a point on that, Larry. So thank you, Bradley, for joining us. It was great. Yeah. To, Thanks, to Brad. Nice to see you. Yeah. Hi, Brad. Thank you, Bradley. Uh, on that point, Larry, in uh, in a pig is a boy is a dog. There's a lot of really great stuff because you know Shannon's going to be leaving the show at this point, right? But there's still really good stuff with Brenda and Brandon in the room together, whether it be talking about uh, Brandon's thing with Lucinda or what's going on with Brenda. So you got you guys kept that through, you know, the the all those seasons. Mm, you know, we, well, I mean, it really that's was a hard. throwback when you yeah. did it right there. This was a throwback time, you know, which. which that if, if Brenda was out on a loop with all these other people, it was for the brother to, to, to you know, uh, bring her back from that bond. But yeah, the, the way that we did it in Pony, that was just, it was a, it was the Walsh family show. Right. Yeah. So by the time we got out of high school, the Walsh family show really was seeding. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the stars had to be featured then. You needed more serialized storytelling to, to give everyone a big turn on stuff because Luke actually had nothing, very little to do in this episode, didn't he? Or no, yeah, he's, he's supportive of Brenda. That's right. He's there. And he was there when it yeah. happened. Yeah. 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 He had yeah. a nightmare. He's going to get blown. You know, so yeah. Was no, it was, it was very satisfying. I, it was, it's always great to, to see the characters for me, to see them in the beginning before I really, you know, really knew them well. Thanks, Lou. When we talk about a pig is a boy is a dog for Larry, uh, where does this start for you? This this storyline and the things that are going on in the world of nine hundred two one zero. Well, obviously we're all in a group here, so we're desperately looking for stories. And and college lends itself to you know there's going to be a you're going to be exposed to all kinds of things in college and you know different ideas and stuff and radical ones and there's activism and. Uh, I wish I had seen the, the episode before because I assume we, we find Rocky in that one. And I didn't quite remember, you know, because it's so serialized. That, but uh, for me, I, you know, I remember, you know, we're looking for stuff to do. And I, you know, I, I had had a real a hard experience uh, with animals. 
uh, with animal rights people, unfortunately. Because about 1981, which is a long time ago, I did a pilot with the Beristini orangutans, who were the, the great apes that were in every which way but loose, and they were Vegas headliners. And that developed into a 20-year relationship where I would punch up their act in Vegas four times a year. I'd go there, hang out in Vegas, you know, go through the script with Bobby and the monkeys, and I knew all their characters and stuff. And they, you know, they were, they, you know, it was a fantastic act. They, they starred first in the Hooray for Hollywood at the MGM, and then it was uh, uh, at the Stardust Lido de Paris show, which is one of the classic shows, and then Enter the Night, which I also directed Monkey Mansion, the opening uh, film for that. Um, but anyway, you know, it's a tough town, Vegas, and um, there was money to be made. And part of the thing was Bobby got approached by, uh, you know, these animal rights people to basically, they wanted money. They, they, you know, they basically were trying to extort money or threatening them. And, uh, you know, he's, an, he's like a fourth generation circus guy from Czechoslovakia whose family escaped. Uh, the communist countries in a circus wagon, you know, they hid Jews and they had midgets, you know, during the war. I mean, and they appeared Ned Sullivan and they were not going to roll over. And Bobby got set up before mm. a show. One of the stagehands was up in the flies with a pea shooter. And so Bobby's there between the two curtains with like, you know, 20,000 pounds of monkey all around them. And the guy's like agitating the monkeys. And so you see Bobby with a little thing like hitting the, hitting the monkeys to try to because the curtain's going to open. Well, anyway, there was another guy in the flies filming that. And they took the tape, they sped it up, they added sound to it, and they added on Entertainment Tonight. Hmm. And, or Entertainment Weekly, one of the shows. This is like late 80s. Uh, yeah, late, maybe early, yeah, late 80s. And anyway, uh, you know, uh, he was, his career was really threatened, and he went to court, and I, I got called in as a character witness. And right away, my career was threatened by, by people in, who were involved with this. I had to go to court in a, with a guy with a machine gun because it was an explosive case. And anyway, Bobby won the case because they had doctored the tape. It was bullshit. And anyway, so I had always stuck in my mind. I learned a lot because I had to, because I was going to commit to this thing. I learned a lot about what animal <laughs> rights is. And animal rights is different than animal welfare. They're two different things. Animal welfare is, is you know, where everyone's heart should be. I mean, we certainly, you know, care about the animals. And the episode's called The Pig is a Boy is a Dog because that's the central doctrine of animal rights, which is every species is equal. And mm. so that's the dilemma we face in this episode. We thought we could make a good ethical dilemma because, uh, you know, we had Gabrielle, I mean, uh, Andrea's going to be working in the lab to, you know, to cure, you know, uh, sleep, uh, SIDS, uh, sudden infant death syndrome, you know, uh, which is, uh, but, and I think this was Jessica who knew about this stuff, about the, uh, the cats being studied because she's, Put that in we all kind of like that and you know and it was a way basically to show you know how the animal rights thing it's a tough dilemma i mean what do you do do you stop developing vaccines and and anyway the other part of it is is that it gets taken over by much more radical parts of the of the movement non-violent much more violent part which in this case the animal liberation front we kind of bring these guys in we've never seen before we didn't quite set them up quite strong enough i i think we had some broadcast standards problems in this a little bit i kind of felt watching it uh, maybe they kind of changed some language because I don't remember it so well. But uh, and anyway, Brendan gets caught up in it, and you know, and then that was just uh, again, it led it basically it all leads to custom links, and then the '60s episode. So it was like one big lump of Brenda kind of getting involved in activism, getting burned by it, and you know, then having to repent. Tracy Flip says Larry is the bomb. Love listening to him. So oh, there you okay. go. <laughs> well, yeah. Anyway, that's uh, uh, yeah. I think it's a boy is a dog. Well, there's a lot of other things happening in this episode. Oh, right? geez. Never, yeah, I had forgotten that. I mean, Lucinda's got totally got Lucinda by on the show, but Lucinda is up and forward in this in this uh, in this episode with Brandon and all that. Tell me what your thoughts are of Lucinda and this storyline that's going on because it's like a little four way. It's a foursome thing happening. There's the in interesting thing that's going on with uh, Brandon. Uh, Dylan and Kelly, and then you add Lucinda into the mix. Oh my God, it's fireworks, right? Well, uh, I mean, Chuck, because it's all going to lead to Mr. Walsh and Washington in the, in, the, in the kind of the imaginary threesome in the bed. But, uh, you know, the Lucinda, she becomes like this, this, this spirit which kind of uh, touches all the kids, she, all the women. She's this radical feminist uh, 
teacher who uh, Chip Johansson and I, are, I think, did try to outdo each other. There was something she says in this episode, uh, Unger token. She explained, this is a real thing. I looked it up. The Eskimos, you know, you have to love everyone. You could, I, I think I have contributed to that because I, I we, did Unger token. I did a whole movie that had Unger token in a CBS. We embraced your Unger token. I must have given that it. to you. It's great. It, it worked, I gave it obviously. to Northern Exposure too. So the Unger token. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. We, we kind of adopted Unger token. And, uh, you know, we just kind of upped the ante with her in the in the sexuality department. And, geez, she's uh, delivered. And we were talking a little bit before we started live but about the fashion because Lucinda is, is, comes to that dinner party in this incredible, like, pajama swami kind of outfit. Uh, what did you think of that, Pia Perry? I mean, that was her thing. Everything was pajamas and loose. And that that's so, it's so interesting. And it's so indicative of the character. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I love that stuff that you're doing. You know, you're setting all that stuff up with Brandon and Kelly and Dylan. And I, I, I picked up this scene because I just think Ian, you know, we needed some levity in this whole thing. <laughs> this is a Dan Adias directed episode, I noticed. Too. And then this happens. Well, hurry on in, boys. I'm going to put some brownies in the microwave. Great. Hey, Dee. Good to see you. Yeah, I think we need to have some little man to man, Brandon. Yeah, I was coming over to see you regarding the same matter. Come on inside. No, I think right here is just fine. What's going on, ladies? It's private. Steve, would you mind taking these into my mother? Yeah. Look, you know I gotta do this, right? I'm sorry, bro. No, sorry. You've been getting on my nerves for weeks and you know it. Guys, what's going on here? Listen, Dylan, the problem has been mine, not yours. Yeah, you can say that again. Ever since I bought the pit, all you can do is put me on a little I can trip. explain that, all right? Hey, I lent you my girlfriend. You made a move on her. You made a move on Kevin? Nothing happened. Then you send your little sex freak over to my house trying to look for some kind of handout. Temporary insanity, all right? I wasn't thinking with my head. You weren't thinking at all. Hold on a second. Let's back up to the part about the sex freak. You know what, man? You obviously got some kind of problem with me, don't you? Huh? Right now's your chance. Make your move. Come on. Guys, I'm not going to hit you, man. You're like a brother to me. I'm not going to do it. You have to. So I don't have to, but if you feel like you want to hit me, why don't you go ahead? All right. Oh, classic stuff. (laughs) What's even funnier is when Steve says, do you know how much a nose costs? Yeah. 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 Sex freak. Well, I love and I love Ian with the the hands like he's just so into all of the gossip and all the things that are happening blow by blow. (laughs) Yeah, so good, Uh, very good stuff. And that's by the way, you guys must have talking about the nine hundred two and O tours. Melly and I also went to the Altadena house, which I live so close to. We visited that yesterday, but you shot there again in that season a a bunch of times. So, like the next episode, you shot you shoot shoot there, and so you're back in Altadena. You know, Um, yeah, yeah. probably because we were making a day with. Uh, Occidental. Yeah. Or These we needed like a restaurant and it was there. And this, believe me, if we didn't have it, it was, we'll make a day out of it. Yeah, uh, this, these were double ups too, so that might have factored in as well. Why two episodes? Like the crew right would be row, there. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm thinking that. What would, do you remember what was shot with this? I think Cuffs and Links, the, uh, the one after which I actually wound up watching because I wanted to see what happened to Brenda. I couldn't remember. I thought this, I thought, I, I got them confused. I thought this, the Cuffs and Links was more Brenda. Uh, well, because there's also like a couple of golf scenes, right? The next episode where is where Barry Bonds is, right? Yeah, we'll they're... talk about that some other time, but but so that that's definitely a part of like the whole double up thing too, because Stephen, I think uh, Brandon go golfing in this episode as well, and right. yeah, that's right, right. Um, you had to set it up. You just couldn't let that couplings come out of nowhere, right? You know, yeah. uh, I mean, we all we did that one time. The, the you know that oh what do you mean he's skating with hockey you know and I mean, we never set up hockey before you show Brandon on skates right we, you, we, you know also in year two just because well we need to do it but this one we you know at least had the moment to set up Perry what do you think about some of the guys uh, outfits here we've talked about the ladies what do you think about some of the guys I mean I think. Brandon historically has always worn clothes that were a little bit too big for him. Rewatching everything is always, he's always sort of swimming in his clothes and like just with his walk. And I always wished his clothing was a little more tailored. He's so handsome. And I always felt like he was swimming in his clothes, which 
sort of was the time. Sure. A little bit like baggy. Um, but I mean, I think Luke, Luke always, Luke always looked great. Like he always looked, no matter what he was wearing, I'm, he could be wearing whatever. And I'm like, Luke looks amazing. Uh, what about Steve? Um, I think Steve, Steve's clothing throughout the series was to me very indicative of his character. It was just very like, not played for laughs, but he was such like that sprat type. He always had something, he always had his jeans tucked, his shirt tucked into his jeans with a belt. And I just thought he, he too, his clothing was very indicative of the character. But I didn't think any of the guys really stood out in terms of style, except for Dylan. Yeah. That his style, especially as the show progressed, um, no matter how ridiculous, like later, uh, probably season five, when he would get into vests, and and ties. I'm like, where are you going? And you're investing your time nowhere. But it suited him. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, you know, with the dog was also some, a very good uh, dog. I want to get. Let me read this first. I want to get sure. to that. I was going to ask you about that. This is a very nice comment. I don't know who says it. it. Just says Facebook user. I'm so sorry. You guys did a phenomenal job hitting real situations from guns to AIDS to drugs to more. There was a genuineness there and cast wardrobe music and the writing. Wow. Thanks, guys, for getting me through quarantine. I've been going through some challenges, and your show has been a bit of a wonderful escape as I'm rewatching it all. Thank you, guys. So I wish I knew who that was, Facebook user. That was a very nice, very nice comment. Uh, I do want to ask you about Rocky. I the that was Karen at first. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you about Rocky the dog. Um, tell me about working with a dog, and then also... You killed the dog off. You guys can't. You just kill people. Rocky dies yellow. Um, I I made it really clear. Nobody does death like nine hundred two and zero. You come on the show. You're either gonna. You might get into an asylum. You might. You definitely need to see a shrink, or you might be dead. What's gonna be? Especially an animal. Yeah. Harder on an animal. I felt so bad because the opening shot is so fabulous. The dog running after them and stuff, and then the dog gets really sick. I guess pretty quickly. Um, uh, and dies, yeah. Well, uh, we, but you know, it's zero to 100. You, you needed building. that, I guess, for the, the emotion to stir up the then the emotion of I'm gonna, let, let's do what we can. And she just gets carried away. And she, she's just a person who's in the wrong place at the wrong time. She yeah. says she goes to that meeting, but there's a little bit of a, a moment. I mean, didn't you think she might have been going to that meeting because the other guy who was the lead environmentalist was really smart huh. and good looking yeah. and believed in things. And I don't think she was in there to uh, to uh, start a revolution. No, she just wanted to say she was committed to the cause, not to the violence of it, but just, you know, she yeah, was, exactly. you, know, she, you know, anytime you can kind of emotionally connect personally with the characters like we did with the dog, it helps us as writers. I mean, just what you got to do. You got to you know make those things work. I do think in a future season, the dog Rocky two shows back up. Yes, he does at the Martin house. They uh, just to clear that up. He doesn't totally disappear. Right. I don't know which episode they gave him to the Martins, but I, we saw an episode with Ray Pruitt. And she's I think it was uh, the too. episode where, yeah, right. yeah, I can't remember what it was now, but yeah, it was a Ray Pruitt episode. Yeah, yeah. Ray Pruitt goes to the Martin house. That's fabulous. Yeah, so they did take the dog. The dog does the Mar Martin somewhere. But, it's that episode where the Martins decided to take the dog, right? Yeah. Uh, working with the animal, you call the, the animal wrangler. You know, that Paul Wagner, who's someone who knew, did dogs, had a dog, and that was our dog. The dog's real name was Pound Cake. Yeah, because there's a, a great thing at the end. I don't know if you got the same thing we got, Chuck, but there's a, because it was the 100th episode, there's a thing with Tori oh. and, and Rocky saying, you know, no dogs were harmed in this episode. Yeah, we're both and, alive. <laughs> oh, that really was, cute. We did that sometimes. You know, the big, the biggest one was when we did commencement, and the moment my it ends, like a, a half a second later, they say, don't worry, the series isn't over. It's the yeah. same. You know, they was just worry that if something was too emotional, Oh, it would get well, it. But I also I think, because also, you know, when you have a PSA, I mean, we could have had a lot of more PSAs because we did so many issue-oriented episodes. But if you do a PSA and it's a 30-second PSA, that's 30 seconds. Does, it, does the 30 seconds come out of advertising or the show itself? So sometimes the network was saying, like, enough of the PSAs already. But this one, I think, also to acknowledge that we made uh, a number 100%. 100, which was a, a, a big deal in uh, in those days. And yeah. on Fox, it was... I mean, that meant syndication. You know, that meant syndication. Yeah. All right, Lily, what do you have on this episode? 
so Zara asks, what was it like filming at the university? How did you get the crowd to be in the animal right protest? And were there actual students from the university in that scene? <laughs> Great question. We did we did cover this on the tour yesterday, so I feel like I'm in a flashback. But exactly. uh, <laughs> uh, we went to we went to see you yesterday. But anyway, go ahead, Chuck. I'll let you. You know, we, we and unfortunately we, we couldn't really remember. I mean, it was the it was we were we you dealt always in the front with the Screen Actors Guild and part of the Screen Actors Guild was the Screen Extras Guild and you had an extras group. And but I see so many young people being right there. It just seems absurd that a percentage of them weren't college students um, mm. from Occidental. But I, I can't say that they really were Zara. I, I, I don't, you know, it's, um, but I think they should have been. Yeah, but, it would have been um, the second, the second AD would be, would have been in charge of, you know, having the extras and stuff. And, you know, but you feel like we must have had some kind of deal with the use of people in the, in the set, I mean, on the campus. Well, and also it, it, it seemed like it was interesting. It seemed like a lot of extras in this episode mm, because yeah. of that scene. But, Okay, so let's say that you had, and I'm being really theoretical here, let's say that they did 150 extras were allocated for the episode. And the other scenes were really two people scenes or three people scenes or in rooms like this. You can really load up and put them. So like when we had the one about Home and Away, the dance at high school with that, and we do the pullback and you can see there are not that many people there. We had 75 extras there. Mm -hmm. but, and he was up. But if you're low and you have about 100, 115, 25 people, you can really make it seem like there's 500 people. Yeah. And I think that's, that would like be my uh, yeah. reaction to it, right, Larry? Yeah, no, I think, and Dan Adias, who directed it, you know, he made that. Oh, yeah. well, I'm sure where he placed the camera, he really got maximum, you know, he made it looking. Sometimes you move the students, you know, you got one angle, you move the students again over the other angle to keep, you know, you know, there are more places than once, so you know, when you edit it all together. Speaking of Dan Adius, our ace director, 20 of them. I just see as the crawl goes by, he's committed, he'll be at the uh, oh, great, the super show. Of it, and at super least in a recorded show. session, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We and Bethany Rooney, uh, Bethany Rooney's coming by for that as well. Um, we get a good one together. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And we've got listen about this thing, October 4th, we've got a lot of like really cool surprises that we're just not sharing that when people see them they're going to be like oh my god i cannot believe that just happened so just stay tuned for that because we've been really working uh, hard on all that stuff um for perry uh, i think kelly henderson here is talking about dylan uh dylan had the surfer poncho too okay. i remember after he wore that they blew up style wows everyone had one do you have a comment on true. dylan's uh poncho the Baja hoodie, yes. <laughs> that's exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. I remember. Actually, this is when Luke when Luke passed away. I was on maternity leave, and mm. I had a Baja hoodie, and I wore it like that day. I just put it on, and I was like, I'm just gonna wear my Baja hoodie to honor. Oh, oh, no, I was I was very shook um, when that happened, but. I feel like those really took off in the 90s because of that character. I really do. I don't think surf culture was as big. I mean, yes, there was Stussy, and yes, there was like skate culture, but I feel like that surf, that typical Baja hoodie really was because of the character of Dylan McKay, and everybody had them. I remember I had one when I was 12 because I'd seen Luke wearing one, and I wanted one, and I managed to find them, and I still think that's like such a hallmark of his early, his early style. Well, while we're talking about this, Perry, uh, for you as a fan of the show, uh, I talked a little bit about this on the tour with Melanie about what Luke meant to me. Uh, and I was also very shook from that, uh, from the, the, his passing. What did Luke mean to you? Oh, my God. I, I've always been such, even when I was young and I would watch the show, I knew for some reason, I knew that his acting was just different. I can't really put it into words, but I would watch it as, as a kid, as, you know, 11, 12, 13, 14. And I, I would know that something about him, just the way he delivered. And I knew now that I listen to you guys hearing past, I'm hearing how he made everybody feel comfortable and he was sort of this anchor. And that really showed. Like, I knew nothing about the history of the show, really, until listening to you guys. 
but yet I had that, I got that vibe. It's something about him. Like I, just everything, he was so cerebral, his character, but I can tell that it was sort of real. Mm. And I mean, everything that I'd seen him in thereafter, even Riverdale, right? Which is like, whatever. Like I was not, I only watched Riverdale for him and that shows my age, but I yep. did watch it for him. And I thought he was phenomenal in it. I thought he was phenomenal in Oz. I thought every guest starring role that I'd seen him in on, on Law and Order, just everything about him felt like a real actor's actor. And he, he to me elevated the teen show a little bit. Um, he meant a lot to me. I, I feel like it was a tremendous loss and I would have loved to see what he went on to do. Yeah. Um, that was that was really, and I'm not, and I'm not somebody either that's like, like, starstruck and devastated by celebrity deaths. And that one hit me really hard. And I still think about, like, I think about him all the time. So I know him and I think about him. And I think that the work that you guys got out of him, I mean, the performances were just, I mean, I watched them and I'm like, he is, un he's unbelievable. Well, he's emotionally, we're emotionally connected to the show as fans, right? Yeah. Uh, we're into the storylines that these guys and Jessica Klein and Karen and all the people that we've had on here and even further down the line uh, that, that they wrote. And so we're emotionally connected, but he's also emotionally connected to whatever the dialogue is because he's bringing something so powerful out of all of the scenes. And it doesn't have to be something powerful. Like it doesn't have to be Tony dying. It could, no. be, it could be him losing his money, or it could be something as simple as him ordering coffee at the Peach Pit. Yeah, he's just, he's just, you just are so into what he's doing in the moment, and I think that's a, that's a hard thing for an actor to accomplish, you know. And he did it for sure through the whole series. Even we talk about this, but even in the later seasons when he returned, he still was the reason probably that we were even hanging on to that series at that point. For me, yes. For me, yeah. yeah. Okay, Lily, sorry. Uh, any more That's questions okay. about this episode? Oh, yeah, there's a couple more. Uh, so Alicia says, I always wondered why Donna didn't go with Brenda. She was just as upset as Brenda was about Rocky. Was there ever any thought about Donna going to break into the lab? Well, you know, I mean, no, I don't think so. No, yeah. because I mean, it just happens by, like Chuck said, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. She wasn't planning on doing it. She just basically wanted to register the fact that she was going to be there, a good soldier, whenever they needed her. And all of a sudden, you know, she kind of stepped into the, the inner workings, the room where it was going to happen. And uh, and she got swept into it. So, I, it, yeah, it would, it would have been messy to have Donna there, frankly. we You know, it just wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Another one from Alicia. What about um, Brenda, too, that storyline? That was really about... Well, it's the beginning again, going through then, you know, the arrest in the next episode and going through all the prison stuff and then, you know, her redeeming herself and then having that 60s episode where she gets to be by herself, theoretically punished, but she kind of has a new outlook on life and, you know, is be able to begin again. It's really great, those that block of episodes when you pointed out that the 60s episode comes after that, because that's also a time of, you know, protests and that period you know, brings oh, that yeah. out. So it's a really great little three pack there of, uh, of episodes. Really great job by you guys. Go ahead, Lily. Got any more? Uh, so yeah, kind of to what you were saying, this is another episode. This is from Alicia. She points out that this episode is another one that divides Brenda from the group with the exception of Dylan who supported her. It seems in this season, there are a lot of episodes that do this. We know Shannon is leaving the show at the end of the season. Is this the main reason for this or was the cast a reason for this too? Tough question. Uh, I don't know if we're going to go there on that one. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Right. I mean, mood. I think you know, it's going to pass. Not a bad question. We're going to pass. We're going to okay. pass on that question. Oh, so here's a light one. Yeah. Here's, here's a note I took from. I don't think it was intentional or whatever. I mean, I just think it just became, you know, just the, the storytelling. Right. Fair enough. You can uh, believe so whatever you want to believe. <laughs> That's what's great about America, especially now. You just, you know, you turn on Fox News, you just believe that. Right. <laughs> Turn on MSNBC. You, you can believe that. You believe that. Yes. Yeah, so right. Go ahead. So in the beginning, the scene with Kelly and um, Josh Richland, he's saying to Kelly, oh, I thought you were Walsh's girl. And she says that. She and Brad went in as friends. And he says, well. well, you two were practically swapped last weekend. And she's. 
Can you hear me? So no, no. Well, he says to Josh, do the planet favor anything. and call Dr. Kevorkian. Who came up that line? Oh, the doctor. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got that. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yes. No, yes. That was good. Yeah. I was happy Who with, that line. with that, that line. Where did that, that come from? Uh, I, I, you know, it was, uh, I wrote the script with Richard Gollins. So, so I'm sure we came up with it and Chuck allowed us to have it in there. Maybe Chuck even put it in. Who knows? But uh, we got it by the censors and it was a timely reference to uh, the doctor of death at that time. Yes. Who, uh, he was the head of assistant. And again, death, I could tell a death. really story right now, but it would not reflect well on one of our cast members, so I am not going to do it. Oh, boy. I'm in a benevolent mood. <laughs> we're coming to the 30th anniversary. People worked hard, and that's what really matters, right? That's what right. matters. After the 30th show, we got to go out. out, baby, because I'm coming for you. <laughs> the truth is coming out. <laughs> well, we, we'll be having a podcast war. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah well. See what All right. Anyway, listen, I want to show you some <laughs> a shirt that we have here. Uh, this is in the shirt. I'm wearing it now. This is our first Claire Arnold shirt. Are you freaked out? Yeah, because of who my, who my father. father is. Yes. So there you have that. You can get that at the show shop. Beverly Hills 90210 showshop.com. Perry, thank you so much for being here. Uh, I know she me. I know she wasn't in this in any of these episodes, but what about Claire's uh you were you're a fan of the show. What about Claire Arnold's uh fashion? Um loved Claire as a character. Thought she was smart and savvy and self-possessed. Loved everything about her. Her fashion wasn't my favorite, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I felt like she went through a lot of beauty changes and her style, but I thought she was an awesome character. She, too, was always somebody that I was like, you're smart. Like, we should all be players. Definitely. Mm -hmm. You know, when she started, she was in the schoolgirl outfits, which they were she pretty good. Stunning. Back in those days, in her early Yeah, we, exactly. <laughs> with her short hair and her little ties, that was chic. Yeah. Yes. The private school outfits. So everybody, listen. Uh, make sure that you uh, tune in to the Beverly Hills 90210 Super Show October fourth from four to seven p.m. Pacific, seven ten seven to ten p.m. Eastern. You're going to watch it live here at Beverly Hills 90210 Show.com. We've got lots of surprises, lots of guests lined up. More things are happening. Um, and it should be a really fun time. I know we're all super excited for it. We're going to keep making announcements. Now, next week, we're not going to really cover anything. We're just going to be here, and we're going to be talking about the Super Show. Hopefully, we'll have some more announcements, and we can tell people what's coming this way. So it will be... We're going to do, you know, we're also going to do a few pre-recorded segments. Maybe we'll preview one or two of them uh, on, on the show. It's just gearing up for it, because uh, it really, uh, logistically... I mean, you're looking at the staff here, so you know we, uh, you know, we just do it. We're doing it as we get. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so that's what we're going to do next week, and that should be fun. I think we'll bring Melanie Rose and Connie Ziegler to come on and uh, just chit chat with us, just about what we've maybe even covered here on the show. A little bit of a, you know, a review, a uh, best of sort of. Uh, well, you did the, the on Sunday. You did a recap show with uh, Connie. That was pretty cool. It's wonderful. Yeah, we're going to do that on Instagram on Sunday as well. Uh, yeah, so I think it's going to be a really fun show. We're super excited. Uh, Perry, thank you so much for being here. Hey, come back October fourth and hang out with us. All right. Vote. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you said that. I love that. Yeah. You made our Perry. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Have a good one. Nice to meet you, Perry. Good night, Chuck. Bye, Pete. Bye, everyone. Be well.